we don't don't get too serious about the intros. But I'm going to do one right now. Are you ready? Yeah, go for it. There we go. Welcome to the TPH podcast. Today, we have a special guest, highly, highly anticipated, the Coyote Man, Clay Reed. First of all, thanks for coming, Clay. I know uh, you're probably super busy with everything going, plus the Coyote a day thing. Oh, that deal's wearing me out. <laughs> I'm telling you. That sounded like a good deal on January 1st, <laughs> but uh, on June 1st, getting close to it, it ain't nearly as cool. But um, I'm hard-headed enough. I've stayed with it. You so know. what what spurred that on? What brought that on? Just something you want to do? Well, you know, I've, I've, I've been one. I wrote for a magazine for about three years, that mm-hmm. North Texas Farm Ranch deal, and and I enjoyed it and all that, but I'm not big on deadlines. And <laughs> only reason I only reason I stayed three years at it is because my friend's wife was the editor, and I didn't want to let her down. <laughs> she called me one morning and said, uh, "Clay, I'm gonna let you be the first to know that I'm quitting the magazine." I said, "I'm gonna let you be the first to know I'm quitting with you." Because the only thing I say. <laughs> so, but anyway, so I wrote, been writing, but I wanted to write a book. Yeah. All right, well. Of course, I got a million stories, you know, over all my years coyote hunting. But these uh, these days, I would figure would make great fodder for the book. Mm-hmm. You know, you go through there a couple of chapters, say, "Hey, tell the story of each coyote," and and try to keep up the uh, the data from mm-hmm. each day I kill. Yeah. You know, and I ain't gonna lie, I've kind of uh, waned on on getting that done a lot of times. Matter of fact, I'm about eight days uh, out from keeping up with my writing. So when I get back home, I'm going to do it. But so, you know, I can go tell about 10 stories and then I could go into other greater stories of competition hunting with all the years, you know, with yeah. JC and Lane and all them guys. And yeah. there's some great, great stories. Like the night I left my partner in a snowstorm, you know, I've <laughs> left my call at a stand i've left my gun at a stand i've left everything there is and i now i can say i've left my partner in a blizzard in a blizzard no less it was crazy yeah poor old lamb we were we were in a gram hunt this is oh hell it's probably 10 years ago we were in this uh gram hunt and we drive way back we're six miles in the middle off this creek i mean middle of nowhere snowflakes blowing that big around i mean we don't get that in arch city very often right but we pulled into a spot make call and there's briars solid everywhere and we get out and we go up there to make call well heck we we couldn't even see you know it was snowing so hard and 30 mile an hour wind we couldn't see nothing so it didn't make it down i told lynn i said lynn we're pissing in the wind i said let's crawl out of here and uh maybe waited out so we crawled out of the rack and i told him i said listen i gotta take a piss so i pulled out and I, you know was that cold i've got bib overalls and jackets mm-hmm. and by the time i got everything uncorked uh it didn't take me long to get done with my business <laughs> so anyway i jump in the pickup but i heard land get in the pickup on the other side shut his door and i jumped in the pickup when i got done we took off well, it's six miles to get out of there, and we went up to another place going to make a call, and hell, it ain't it ain't even let up, not a bit. So I told yeah. him, I said, hey, let's go to Alsop's. And we got another guy hunting with us. He's in the front seat, Lynn's in the back, Brian Griffin. Well, 
Brian, he's a non-functional unit. He's already asleep. He because this is like four o'clock in the morning. So he's asleep, and I said, "Ah, right, let's hell, let's go to Alsop's, get us a cup of coffee." So we drove twenty miles to Alsop's. We get up there, a couple of other get buddies, Clay, uh, Casey Hoff, and Justin Coleman, and they holler something, man. I hunt her back. Well, Brian gets up, and goes get a burrito. Well, the whole time I'm talking to Lynn, and I'm telling him, I said, "Man, this ain't going." I said, "We might as well just take a nap." So we laid seats back, going to take a snap about an hour to let this blizzard blow through. Well, about an hour later, I get a phone call. My phone rings, and I reach up, and I grab it, and I go, that's Dawson. Well, I know Dawson, my boy, does not get up early for, for just giggles. Yeah. And so anyway, uh, I, I answered the phone. I said, hey, what do you want? He goes, hey, you need to come get me. And I could tell it wasn't Dawson. I said, who is this? He said, it's Lynn. I said, Lynn? I said, where the hell you at? He goes, I'm at Mankins. I said, Mankins? How the hell did you get there? And he goes, I walked. I said, from Allsup's? He goes, no, y'all left me at that last call. <laughs> I turned around and I went, holy crap, we had left. What he done is he put his gun in the back of the pickup, shut the door, yeah. and I thought he got in. And he was taking a leak. And he said, he said, I thought y'all were playing a joke on me until I seen them brake lights go out of sight. And he said, then I just took off running because all I could think about <laughs> all them hundred hogs that we had just seen out there. I said, well, how in the hell? And he, and where he's at, there yeah. is no easy way of getting him because you got to go this way, turn this way, that way, this way, back and forth. He said, I could see the the cloud, uh, the, the lights of Holiday over there. Yeah. off the clouds and he said i just took off the opposite way because i knew that was east and i headed west <laughs> and he got up there to the uh bunkhouse where my boy was living yeah. and he said hell he was in there with some old gal and he wind up awakening or disturbing them and uh using his phone and i said all right we'll be there in a minute so we drive out there instead of staying in there in the bunkhouse where it's hot he felt bad because he had interrupted Dawson's <laughs> extracurricular activities. So he's sitting in my old ranch pickup out there, and they ain't got a heater in the sun, <laughs> freezing. I'm like, good God. But, oh, but, but about that time, old John Cadell and Mike Robertson them called me. And, of course, we, you know, back in them days, everybody BSed all the yeah. way through the night. Said, what y'all doing? Y'all getting in? I said, no, we're going back to pick up my partner. Your partner. And I told them. And it spread like wildfire. Everybody yeah. kept calling me, but but anyway, those kind of <laughs> stories fit into that book. But yeah, well, but, for sure. But yeah, that three hundred sixty-five. I think I'm up to one hundred sixty-five coyotes I've killed since January first. That's counting contests and yeah. and everything. But day is day one forty-eight, and I've had one blank, and that yeah. was on uh, day eighty, and uh, we had a. I had my gun, you know, I bought, I got that new gun from old Randy and well, I'm technically challenged and <laughs> had that new yeah. thermal on there. And when it was on there, I pulled into the feed yard and there was a coyote standing out there 75 yards. So I reached and grabbed that gun. And when I grabbed that gun, I hit the button on top, which changes to radical. Yep. Well, I didn't have a clue. I, it was on green and red. I didn't know you had to side each one of them radicals in well, green so I left it on green and I shot, missed, and I shot, and missed. Golly, well, then he ran off, went down there. I missed 12 times at four different cows, <laughs> and then it got past midnight, yeah. and, and that was my first blank. I took it the next day and went to side it in, 
and I had a two, uh, three foot by two foot sheet of plywood, and yeah. it wouldn't even hit that damn yeah. deal. But I was ignorant yeah. to the game. Oh, I went through the same thing in Oklahoma this year. Oh, changed, really? Changed the reticle. It's the same company, Thermal. Yeah. Changed the reticle, didn't think nothing about it. And uh, <laughs> I had a coyote at like 60 yards. Yeah. And it hit like three foot in front of the pickup. And I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was, I guarantee you, I was so mad because when I got down there to the pump jack, I had a coyote run. He went 30 yards from me mm-hmm. and I missed him. And I know I don't miss them shots. I yeah. mean, everybody misses, but them 30 yards. Yeah. And then he run out there 50 yards. I missed him again. <laughs> then he went 100 yards and missed him again and 150. So that's four times. And the coyote's still standing out there and I'm out of bullets because I only <laughs> took four bullets. So I walked a half mile in there and. Oh, I guarantee I kicked rocks all the way back to pick up. Oh, I was mad. I cussed. I mean, I, I can write books on cuss words, but I invented some that night. But other than that, I've I've had some close calls, and uh, but I've got one every day. And it, but I'm telling you, it's been brutal. You know, worse. This has been the worst, like I was telling you earlier, this yeah. worst winter, and I mean, just work, work all day, and then I had mm-hmm. to go kill a coyote, but. The good thing is I don't ever sleep. I'm about a three-hour yeah. guy, and yeah. that helps. And so I get home, like in January, when it gets dark at 6 o'clock, go to bed at 6, 6.30, and get up at 9 o'clock, and then I go hunting. Yeah. But that's when we actually had wind, a lot of wind, a lot of snow. We had a little snow and 10 degrees. And I was, one, one story, we got a dead pit up there at James Mitchell's place. All right, so I come in from the south, and it's one of them 25-mile-an-hour big old snowflakes mm-hmm. blowing, and we had about four or five inches on the ground. And I walk a half mile up there. It's 10 degrees, and I walk all the way up there to that dead pit because that dead pit, there's a big, giant lagoon. Well, that l- lagoon, it ain't like your regular tank dam. It's just steep. It's about probably 12 feet high, and it's just steep. Well, it's got all them snow drifts off of yeah. it. And I try to sneak up there because on the other end of that de- uh, lagoon dam is the dead pit. Mm-hmm. Well, I get almost to the top, and then I'd fall down. I'd slide down <laughs> to the bottom. And I did that about three or four times. And then that last time, I kind of had a little bit of a roll when i done it because I tried <laughs> to stand up. And I get down there, and I'm pouting, I'm cussing. I thought, well, I better scan around. So I took my scanner and scanned around. Not 30 yards from me, sitting on his ass as a coyote, watching the whole daggum deal. <laughs> Been there the whole time, smoking a cigarette, and I picked my gun up, boom, shot him, went to the house. But uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, there's been some. And then another great one, you know, that's that's the bad thing about this book is uh, people going to realize what, what a dumbass I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, when you get – you know, you go a hundred and something yeah. days and you, you work all day. You're tired of fatigue factor will whoop your butt. Yeah. No matter what, I'm still dumbass. I, I ain't going to hide from that <laughs> fact, but we get down there and I, I walk I, cause I want to go to bed this night cause it's been yeah. a long night. We just been, so I go in the evening right before it gets dark and I walk a half mile back to this salt skull back in there. Solid mesquites around it. Walk down there, put my collar down real quite beautiful afternoon, put it down. And I walk over there, turn to walk over there to sit down. And I'll be dang afraid of coyote about 30 yards from me watching me the, the whole time. And yeah. so I got my gun across my back. He's still there watching me, and I take my gun off my back, 
and then I raise it up and I go to shoot him. I ain't got any bullets in my gun. Not a bullet in my pocket. Not a bullet, period. And to insult the injury, the coyote never went nowhere. Because I thought that, well, I, I just ain't got one yeah. engaged in there. So I put one in. That noise didn't bother him a bit. He's like, what are you doing? And uh, I walk a half mile back pickup, and that, dog, that coyote followed me just like an old dog. Until I got to the pickup, and then he was gone. <laughs> I'm mad. Oh, I guarantee you. Oh but, man. But yeah, it's it's been a pretty interesting deal. But uh, if I can get it done, well, 365 days. That's 365 cows, pretty much. Yeah. And like I say, I'm already ahead, so I I might kill 400 cows this year. Yeah. Oh, I'm everybody, sure. You know, everybody asks, how many? What's the most you ever killed one year? I've never really kept. I've yeah. never kept count. Yeah, and uh, I know it ain't gonna be anywhere close to that because you know I'm basically been a coyote hunt or a contest hunter. Yeah, you know January, February, March we hunt. Yep, and then after that we let them. But I'm telling you, it amazes me the number of coyotes. I would have never dreamed up there at that feed yard. I've probably killed ninety coyotes up there the other night, and you would think. That you would right. start thinning them out. Yeah. Me and old uh, buddy Dwayne, we went out there the other day, and there was probably 30 coyotes that we could just see with the naked eye, and I'm going, they're, they're never ending. No. And But it's, it's like somebody asked me a 100 years ago about uh, calling the same spot. A lot of people um, won't call a spot for months after yeah. they kill a coyote, thinking that they've tainted it. Yeah. What's good is for this cow is good for the next cow yep. that he'll come in. Yep. They'll fill in that hole just as fast. That territory that vacates, hey, yep. my God, this gangbanger, he's going to yep. come in and get it. And uh, But I never, never until this deal, I would have never dreamed right. it with that many daggum yep. cows. And, uh, well, them feed yards tend to oh, yeah. draw them in there, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I didn't really understand that myself until i started hunting one up in Oklahoma. oh yeah and it's you know it's not only a territory thing and like you said when once one's gone another one's going to come in there and move in but when you get those large draws like that like a feed yard or oh, yeah. dead pit there's constant coyotes come through there always the well you know there's like i say there's two different types of coyotes you got your your coyotes that'll make for life mm -hmm. and then you got your nomad coyotes yep. and them nomads yep. they'll that yep. one, I remember they collared one. They run. He went like seven hundred miles in a yeah. in a year all over the country. But, yeah. But man, that's a whole lot of nomads. Yeah. But, yeah, for sure. But you know, it's what's really going to be interesting for me is to see how it reflects on the deer the population. Yeah. You know, because uh, I seen some deal the other day where it said one female coyote will kill like nineteen fawns a year. Well, I have saved a lot of farms. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that. And, you know, that's another deal is I've only killed one wet coyote this year, and that has blew my mind. I've killed a lot. Matter of fact, the three that we killed the other night, no, one was male, but the two that Gage caught, uh, shot were females. Only one wet coyote all year. I'll be dang. Yeah, and, that, and it, it's time where they ought to be. Yeah. Yeah, so it's weird. And, you know, another thing that I've – I've seen, you know, we know that a lot of uh, uh, the effect that cows have on cattle, you know, yeah. they're always killing calves. Yeah. Ne we'll never know how many really they, they kill, but I know they kill a bunch. And that's one of my main reasons in killing a lot of cows. But the other night, 
or, or a sick cow or something like that. Right. But to, uh, uh, I say that now, a couple months ago, I was in a wheat field because I, I like to, I just park, pick up. I walked as long, 13 miles in a night. And I walked a couple miles and I got over and I could see this cow. And I got some big old brangish cows on, on wheat. And uh, I could tell she was in distress from something. And as I got closer, far enough away, I couldn't see the coyote. But then when I got, as I closed in on it, I could see there were seven coyote. It looked like National Geographic. They were working yeah. her just like the wolves were. And this, this cow was not a sick, big old giant 1,200-pound healthy cow. And they were working her, hitting them high and back and forth yeah. until I put one of them to sleep. Yeah. And yeah. then they, they lost. But... So anybody that thinks they're not getting their big cows, they're wrong. Oh, they'll, they'll, they'll take, yeah, they'll take whatever meal they can get. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Of course, when you get 30 cows on a wheat field, man, like I say, until you get thermal, that's the good thing about thermal is until yeah. you got thermal, you don't, yeah, I, I've gained so much knowledge in the last six years with a thermal because I like to go. I ain't doing nothing to house them because I don't sleep. I'll take it out and just watch the behavior yeah. of them boogers out there and how they, and it's crazy. But so it, primarily right now, I'm assuming Ben's it's getting way cooler at night. You're probably just going out with the thermal more than anything right now. Yeah. Yeah. At nighttime. Yeah. You know. Okay. Benton Bowman said nighttime's the right time. <laughs> and since thermal hasn't come out, it's, it's great. So, Backing up, getting into, where did you grow up? Well, I, I, I grew up in Electra, Texas, and I lived there about the first 11 years. And then I moved over to Iowa Park, Texas, mm-hmm. pretty much all in that same area. But then, you know, when I was oh young man, we had problems at home, and I, I won't go into that, but had problems at home that led to me being homeless at 13 years old. And, you know, I lived over there uh, in Tar behind target wichita falls yeah you know i'd run away from home and like saying my old dad was having problems getting pretty abusive and blah 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 which we've all got we've made our way through all that everybody has their difficulties but anyway i was homeless and i lived over there in wichita falls texas behind target <laughs> and it was a that was a trip too and uh eat over there out of the trash cans go over there that's when i learned you don't eat seafood out of the trash can <laughs> yeah because they had a pizza hut over there and uh i go over there you know at 11 o'clock when they go yeah. close they throw all their scraps out in that trash oh man i eat like a king over there <laughs> well then one night cross the road over there is the red lobster so i i thought man i hell i can give me some lobster i ain't never had no lobster before let's go over there and that lobster was good but uh, it wasn't very long. I had the Hershey squirts on one end and vomit on the front end. And and uh, we broke out in our notebook. Uh, don't do that. No more. <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, no, I was sick. Some gun. But it was a venture. And I think it was like, as of October 82 is when I, the flood come through there. And it flooded my, I had a little old, I'd, I'd take in pallets from over there, stealing pallets from, uh, Target mm-hmm. built me a little clubhouse out there, and and uh, and I I had me oh there was a little willow, bunch of willow trees, and that's where I live. Yeah. I, I you know walk around at night. I hated sleeping at night, you know, because you have scared to death. 
strange <laughs> town. Yeah. Sleep during the day, but yeah, it was quite an adventure living over there. Matter of fact, it was funny stories. I had a buddy of mine. He lived over in these apartments. They're three-story apartments. Well, he moved out, and he told me, well, his family moved out because he wasn't my age. He moved out, and he said, he said, hey, hey, Clay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave because it's this is what early on it was like February and it was cold booger, and uh, he said, hey, I'm gonna leave that patio door on that apartment when we move out. You can come in there at night. Yeah. I said, heck yeah. <laughs> so at night I would climb up on them balconies all the way up there to that third story apartment, and I'd go in there and sleep on the floor in the heat. Yeah. Well, I did that one night and. I walked in that song gun. I went, oh, we got furniture. All right. <laughs> Somebody moved into the apartment. And then I heard I heard the lady in the back, Bob, is that you? And I, oh, time to go. Yeah. <laughs> we exited out the patio door, climbed down the balcony. But but yeah, we I had some pretty cool times. I I mean, they were tough, but yeah. I met some really interviews. We used to sleep down there at the uh docks down there downtown i go down there and there was a little old bar down there and i'd sweep up and they'd give me money for food or something but i remember this one of the main guys that i ever met when i was homeless was a guy named mike and i could tell old mike was uh very articulate he wasn't your average bum you know because they could tell by the way he talked he was an educated man yeah and i asked old mike one day and i said mike i said what brought you in to your situation you are right now. And he goes, well, yeah, I said, because, and he carried these leather back journals wherever he went, had a backpack full of these summer guns. And, uh, he's always writing every day in them journals. And I had to ask him, I said, Mike, what's the deal? He said, well, I said, seven years ago, he was, I was a professor at a college in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He said, I got a call one day that my wife and my two daughters were killed in a car wreck. He said, I put them in the ground, buried them, and I walked away from life. I said, I'm done. And he said, that was seven years ago. And I said, now, I may go back to that life one day, but it ain't today. And one of these days, he's going to write a book. And he had all them journals. And I said, boy, I can't wait till that book comes out. Yeah. That thing is, I don't know his last name or anything, but <clears throat> but it would be cool to. Oh, for sure. Yeah, but anyway, it, it you know, we all have our our hard times, hardships in their lives, but uh, yeah. you just go on. You know, a lot of people ask, oh, you mad at your old man? And no. I said, he coming from a pretty rough background, too. Yeah. We all have our, yeah. our deals, and uh, he, he he bettered himself. He, he got drug. Yeah, because uh, like I say, since I guess Mo, March 25th, 1985, he's been clean. He's been good, doing good things, and you know, he makes a lot of money and good deal, and now, me and him can't sit at the table for very long, but that don't have nothing to do with the background. Right. We're too much alike. Yeah. Yeah. Wear each other out. But uh, anyway, it, hell, I was living in a damn tent when I met my wife. Yeah. Yeah, I lived in a tent right outside Archer City for two and a half years. So is that where you where you went after you left? Well, uh, I went a thousand places after that. Like I say, I lived on – after the flood in 82 – flooded all my stuff down there yeah. all my clothes everything so i walked over to uh owl park which is like 20 miles and i had some cousins over there well she had eight kids she didn't have time to put up with my butt and all that which i kind of stayed with them and all that but 
like I say, she didn't really want me there. So I lived in a, an old grain elevator for a little while. And then I lived on a creek bed out. Matter of fact, you remember 83, the winter 83? That was before my time. Well, <laughs> well, well, I'm going to tell you the winter 83 was set records. It yeah. uh, stayed below freezing for oh, three weeks. I think it was. Yeah. Well, it got so cold up there that my buddy drove his Subaru Brat across Lake Buffalo. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that ice yeah. was that thick. I was living on a creek bed uh, over there across from this buddy I'm talking about. Freezing. And know. that's when I figured out that you could uh, you could freeze and still have a big giant bonfire because i had a you know i had a 55 gallon drum cut in half and i would make a fire in there pour wood to it you, you could not yeah get warm enough and uh and his dad his stepdad kept trying to get me to move in with them but pride would not let me right. move in with them you know and i'll, I'll be all fine, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> out there freezing eating about once a day and uh well, anyway he finally he figured me out though he uh he come over there one day and he said, Hey, I said, I'm not gonna give you nothing, but what I will give you is a job. I was fifteen. He said, I'm gonna I said, I'm gonna give you a roughneck job and go to work for me, roughneck, and and, and I'll rent you a room with Russell, his stepson. He said, I'll rent you a room for two hundred a month. I said, well, I'll do that. And and I did that for a while and then they him and his wife split up and I was out and back stage one. Yeah. Yeah. But but yeah. When, when you was living on the creek there, did you, uh what was you doing for food? Food? Well, like I say, a lot of times I go over to Russell's yeah. and then uh and I ain't gonna lie, I go up there to the Allsups and stick a dill of ham in my pocket. And uh <laughs> Yeah. So it was it yeah you, yeah, man that say he won't ever steal for food ain't very ain't yeah. been very hungry because yeah. there wasn't no there wasn't no pizza huts in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, back then you could sell Coke bottles. Yeah. I was a Coke bottle stealing some gun now. <laughs> I guarantee you because you get a nickel for them boogers. Yeah. yeah. But but yeah, that's yeah, it was it was tough. And when luckily that job that helped me a bunch. And then and I went to work rough roughnecking here and there. But the first job I had is my uh my cousin don got me a job i guess i was 14 right after that flood deal when yeah. i walked over to Owl park he got me a job working at lm restaurant and uh worked 10 at night six in the morning washing dishes yeah and then graduated up to being a cook and uh all <laughs> oh, them old gals and that was good because i got to eat yeah. you know i'd eat yeah. there and uh oh shoot man yeah my body didn't know how to take it <laughs> yeah you know but uh yeah there, there was like i say i, I ain't i ain't gonna say i didn't swipe tuna fish here yeah. and there and yeah when did you end up over kind of well getting to the story about when you met kelly yeah did you i guess move on down well i was living at, later on i moved to holiday mm-hmm. and we had a a bunch of us boys, a bunch of homeless guys, boys, there's four of us, and one of them being my brother. Well, we, I work in the oil field. I'd, we worked for a guy where me and the other guy that lived with, we'd work 30 days on and have two months straight. Well, we would pay our rent up, but a lot of times we didn't have enough money to pay our uh, light bill or water bill. Yeah. So there's a lot of times we didn't have uh, 
water or electricity. Yeah. Matter of fact, one of those times, and, and we was hungry back then, one of those times it was funny because there was a school teacher who lived next door to us, and she moved out. Well, when she moved out, electricity was still on there. So we went over to one of our buddies, and we got about eight extension cords, and we run them through the window out of that deal over there in that deal so we could run our TV. And we'd have parties over there. Oh, yeah, them. We were the hoodlums. We we were not the coaches' <laughs> friends in Holiday, Texas. But uh, and then I I moved into a trailer house with a friend of mine over there, and then I met my first wife. And uh, well, that that deal didn't play out real well. And then and that's matter of fact, when I was married to her, I met Kelly at a party. Mm-hmm. But you know, I was married, and I'm I'm a faithful guy. You know, I never even thought about Kelly. <laughs> she was about 15 years old then, yeah. and. Uh, well, then, oh, I guess it was two years later, me and the first wife broke up. Well, now Kelly's 17 years old, <laughs> and she's coming of age. And uh, so anyway, I, 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 it was a friend of mine's cousin. Yeah. And, uh, of course, I had him introduce us. And, and uh, we started dating, and I was living in a tent to start with in my friend's backyard. And uh, one of the guys that used to live in the apartments with him, I lived in a little round. You know what a gal loves when she comes over yeah. there and stand and sneak out of her house so she can go <laughs> over there and sleep in the tent with you yeah. at, at, when it's 30 below. Yeah. You know what's some gun. You ain't got much to offer. To him. So, uh, yeah. And then I moved out there, but we dated for a while. And, and of course, I was. Uh, I was not the greatest boyfriend. I drank, and uh, and of course we were. I don't. I don't. I don't know. If she was monogamous, but I wasn't at the time. I was still in that party mode. And matter of fact, I told her. I told her I wasn't a whole lot, but I still had those oats need to be sowed. Yeah. And matter of fact, I told her in May. I said, "Listen, I got one more summer underneath me." Said I'm, I was riding ranch saddle Bronx and clowning for this outfit. So I got one more summer underneath me. I said, and this is in May. I said, I'm going to party all summer and I'm gonna do my deal all summer. If you're still around after the Pioneer reunion in September, I'll marry you. <laughs> well, that went over like a ton of crap. And she she gave me some sign language and some <laughs> some words I never heard before, but they wasn't good. And she did. And I did. I went and partied yeah. all summer and did my deal and had a good damn in there. After the Pine Reunion, I went to looking for her. Well, she done got her a new man and was down in De Leon. And, uh, well, I loaded up my truck, and I drove all the way to De Leon. Me and my old Blue Heeler dog, Gizmo, my truck, they didn't have no tags, no inspection sticker, <laughs> no insurance, drove 55 mile an hour, no, no, uh, I bought it for $300 from a buddy that caught it on fire in my front yard. And uh, drove all the way down there, and I hadn't shaved in several days, so I went into Dairy Queen, and I said, can I get a cup of hot water? And they gave me a cup of hot water. And I went in there, and I shaved out there on the hood, and then I went in there and borrowed the phone. I called her up. said, uh, what are you doing? She goes, who is this? I said, it's Clay. What do you want? I said, well, I told you I was going to marry you after finding her in. <laughs> so where are you at? And I said, I'm at Dairy Queen. In Archer? I said, no, in Deleon. As I told you, I was going to come down here and get you. I'll be ready in five minutes. And uh, <laughs> I went over there, and she loaded up all of her stuff, drove back. Well, 
that was a good thing, but I didn't know what I was taking her to because I <laughs> I had a foam mattress in the back of my pickup. That's what I was living in, yeah. and uh, but she went back. She stayed with her uh, grandmother to a finest place, and and uh, well, it wasn't a week later. We go over to this house. We're we're both poor, you know. We're going through there and trying to find us a house. And I see this old house, the old yellow house, and uh, the back part of the roof is burned up and, and busted windows. And I, man, that looks like a place for me and you. That just says Clay and Kelly. So I wind up going to finding out who owned it, and uh, went to old Sean also. And I said, Sean, I said, you want to uh, rent that old yellow house over there? Is the one with the roof gone? I said, yeah. He goes, hell, you cleaned it up. You can live in there for free. And I said, all right. Well, we didn't know it, but when we got over there, he'd been using it as a trash station. Yeah. All of his household garbage, he is throwing inside this house. So it's stacked that deep with garbage. And Kelly and her best friend, Nikki, they worked their butt off, and they got all that garbage down at sanded them floors they had hardwood floors and all that and had a wood burning stove that was the only heat in the place and i mean just a one room kind of shack house and then the bathroom if uh it didn't have a roof over the top that's where it burned up so it's mm -hmm. like a skylight so if you took a crap <laughs> you got to, and it was raining you got to take a crap and take a shower at the same time and uh <laughs> Luckily, we uh, matter of fact, that's where we was living when I asked her to marry. I was like, we were sitting there watching Johnny Carson. It was I'm very romantic. And we was watching Johnny Carson laying there butt naked in bed. And I said, you want to get married? Yeah, I guess. All right. <laughs> and that, we, we got her license next day. And about, I guess, three days later, we went over to JP. And oh, uh, Pee Wee Hudson was his name. He's sitting on his couch smoking them Lucky Strikes. He goes, you take her, yeah, you take him, yeah, give me $20. <laughs> give him $20, and we was married. And then I bummed a beer off of him. We sit there and BS with him. <laughs> yeah, very romantic. Yeah, but hell, that was, and we'll be married 29 years in December. Been together since 91, but yeah, it, it's been fun. But like I say, after we got married, she, we fought. Good Lord, that's a, she beat me. I mean, they needed a, a 13 step for battered husbands. You know, they got that 12 step for battered women. Uh, they need an, that another step for battered men because that she beat me. Only woman ever knocked me out. I mean, only man. I fought 262 men in my lifetime, and the only one that knocked me out was Kelly Jean. She did use a boot, a uh, weapon, uh, some gun. We went to the bar one night, and this is when we were still dating. And I said, uh, I'm going coyote hunting. Okay, well, be careful. So we had stashed clean clothes, and we went straight to the bar. <laughs> well, they had an old black man in Wichita that used to walk around the bar taking pictures for a dollar, yeah. and he'll give you a picture in Kodak. We were around there. Well, that, that dude has got more people beat up and divorced than any <laughs> son of a gun. We got up there, and uh, me and my buddy Sean – we picked us up a couple of blondes and boy, we, let's take a picture. Oh, let's do it. Of course, Kurt's light didn't <laughs> screwed my judgment up. And we're sitting there, we're taking them old pictures of them blondes, and we're driving home. And I told old Sean, I said, You make sure you burn that picture. I mean, you've got to burn that. Oh, I promise, I promise. So I go in there and I get 
butt naked. I'm laying in bed with Kelly. Kelly goes to work at, when it gets daylight, and and she goes to she worked at the Dairy Queen. Well, she, next morning she's at the Dairy Queen, and uh, some little old gal come in there. Said, Are you and Clay still dating? Well, yeah, I just left him a while ago. He's at my in my house, and he said, "Well, I seen him at the bar last night, and he was with some little blonde headed gal." Whoa, that's some gun. She lost her mind. Left work. Left there, drove her little old Plymouth champ all the way over the deal. <laughs> Went into my pickup, checked my pickup, and guess what's laying in the front seat? That picture. Sean had done me dirty. <laughs> Throwed that picture of that. She come walking in there, and I'm laying in there. I got a smile on my face. I'm asleep, you know, just I'm with the fairies, you know, dreaming. Bow, bow, bow. She's over and under me. I mean, bust my lip, my nose. And I reached and grabbed her and I throwed her off, off of me. And I thought, well, if I'm going to get my ass whooped, I'm going to do it. At least do it with my britches on. That was a tactical <laughs> mistake. Because when I bent over to put them britches on, I get them old high-top boots. And she grabbed them boogers and hit me on the back of my neck. And it folded me up. When I when I come to, I was in between the bed and the wall folded upside down like this. Uh, that wasn't very nice. Yeah. Yeah. That was just one. And I left one time, went frog hunting on Thursday and showed back up on Monday with no frogs. And uh pulled up there and we had this little house in and I pulled up there and there was blood. She had busted we had the house locked. She didn't live there. I was living with a buddy of mine. And she had busted the window, I took her fist through the window of that door to open it up. And throw my clothes everywhere. I had scattered blood all over the wall. I, uh, boys, we better go to the bar. So we went straight <laughs> to the bar. And she had no uh, champ, a little Plymouth hatchback champ. It's loud, didn't have a muffler on. Couldn't sneak up on nobody. But when you're drunk, she can sneak up on you. <laughs> because I pulled in front of that legion, and I never heard that champ show up. But when I opened that door, she leveled me. Whoop, hit me in the mouth. I jumped down, she kicked me in the mouth, and then I crawled underneath the pickup and tried to get away from her. And she had me by my boots and was trying to pull me. You get out of here, you tired son of a gun. You she wasn't saying son of a gun. And, uh, <laughs> well, my buddy, Stephen Huffman, he lived across the street. He come out. He hollered, hey, what the hell's going on out here? You shut your blinkity blink blink bat. Oh, Kelly, I'm going to go back in the house. <laughs> and she's still, he, she's still trying to drag me out by my boots. But, you know, we've never had a, since we got married, uh, and like I say, once I said my vows, it was over, and we, I've been an honest engine ever since. <laughs> we, I, I don't know if we ain't that. Well, only, only real fights we've had is over these podcast stuff. Really? Because I made I made a mistake. <laughs> uh, I, I made a mistake. Uh because that's what's bad about going down there with uh uh, big uh, uh yeah, big honker lodge because he likes to get me liquored up. He'll say, Have a beer. He'll have a beer and a steak and he'll well, of course, you know, socially drinker, you know, I get about three beers in me. Uh, uh, my filter gets smaller and I forget what I'm saying and, and I made say I made the mistake of saying something about my practice wife and oh my god and i didn't even know i said it to you truth and uh and it wasn't that bad but it was bad to her that's all <laughs> gonna walk in the door she's bawling squalling matter to jap you but yeah we've been been good now oh kelly jane she's been tough one and like i say she come from a pretty tough life her too so it was it was kind of like two two stray dogs that got yeah. rescued by yeah. each other. You know, it's, it's been 
you know, nowadays we're an oddity. You get people to be married 30 years, they, it, that, that just don't yeah. happen. And yeah. then, you know, being married to Clay Reed is like dog years, <laughs> you know, so she's got 210 years invested yeah. in this deal. But that's but, uh, uh, it's, it seems pretty common amongst predator hunters for some reason that the, the hunters themselves are usually kind of little wild sometimes may absolutely disappear for a little while hunting oh yeah typically the ones that are married or in relationships well, they, they usually have a really good woman behind them they have got to have really, well it's like <laughs> last year at this time you know i i had i built that cowboy box yeah and i was uh, uh that morning uh, i told her at 7 30 i give her a kiss goodbye and told her i'm gonna go try to feed some cows it was wet well, that was at 7.30 that morning, and at one thirty she calls me. Of course, she's got that stalker app. She knows where I'm at. <laughs> she's got that Life 360, you know, keep up with each other. And uh, thank God we didn't have that back in the day. And uh, But anyway, so she sees. She goes, where are you at? I said, I'm almost. Like, she's testing whether I'm lying to her. And I, said, I said, I'm almost to Albuquerque. So where are you going? I said, I don't know. So I thought you were going to feed cows. I said, ah, it was too wet. She goes, where are you going? I said, I don't know. She goes, when are you going to be back? I don't know. She goes, all right, well, be careful. And hell, I went. I think I drove 12 hours to Winslow, Arizona. And I was going to, my goal was to go to Nevada because I was going to hunt that, excuse me, that shotgun only hunt up there mm -hmm. in Nevada. And uh, look at some country and had a buddy. But I was going through Arizona and my buddy, Sean Mead says, hey, you need, you you need to come visit me in Winslow. I got a bar here. And I thought, hey, all right, I'll be there. I've never been to Winslow. So I pulled in Winslow and he had a bar. And, and like I tell you, I'm not much of a drinker, but if, you know, buddy wants to drink beer, I'll drink a beer. Well, <laughs> he wasn't drinking beer. He was drinking like Crown and Coke. So I had one, I had two, I had three. Well, the next thing you know, I go up, take a leak, and somebody stole my leg. I was like, Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, Jesus. I think I will go get my pickup. And I went out and pick up in my box, rolled out my bedroll, going to sleep. Well, there ain't no sleeping at, at uh, Sean Mead's bar in, because right behind his deal is railroad track. And I swear to God, there's a train comes by there every 15 minutes. So there was no sleep. I tried yeah. to sleep for an hour. I guess I did get to sleep. About an hour, an hour and a half, and I jumped my pickup, my left air, went through Vegas, and by noon, I made it to uh, Alamo, Nevada, which is dead center in the middle of Nevada. Mm -hmm. And I got to be at visiting with a, an old man there, and, and he, he told me his story, which was cool. And then I left there, and then my buddy that I originally went to, he was busy, couldn't meet with me. So I went up towards Wells, Nevada, and I made a couple of calls up there. Didn't have no luck because it was hot. You know, it's desert yeah. land. And but this further I got north. But then when I got up to uh, Wells, Nevada, it was funny. It wasn't. It wasn't very hot there. It was. It was still pretty cool. Matter of fact, I think I hit some snow flurries back there. But I pulled into a uh, pulled into a get gas. Mm -hmm. Every time I pulled up gas, you know, on the side of my little cowboy camper, I've got that sign. We don't rent pigs. You know, it come out of Lonesome Dove. Yeah. Hat Creek Cattle Company sign, right? Lonesome Dove. <laughs> Every time I pulled in to get gas, somebody would ask me, is that your ranch? And I'd say, <laughs> no, that's off Lonesome Dove. You know, that. Yeah. Well, after about the fourth or fifth time, I done made up my mind. 
Well, this guy from Pensacola, Florida, he pulls in there. He's on the other, other pump, and we strike up a conversation. He tells me he's from Pensacola. Pensacola sold everything he had, moved, bought 40 acres there and all this. And I thought, all right, that's a cool deal. And then all of a sudden, right about the time we got done, he goes, is that your ranch? I said, well, as a matter of fact, it is. I said, we started out on a, a, a Rio Grande River down there, and me and my best friend. He said, but we got too hot down there, and he decided, he, he said, we need to pack up all the cows and move them up to Montana where it's cool and green grass. So we moved all them cows all the way up to Montana, and shortly after we got up there, he got a bad leg wound infection and died. <laughs> but right before he died, he made me promising that I would – carry him back to Waco and bury him on the banks of the Brazos River. This guy's looking at me. He goes, are you serious? I said, hell, I ain't serious. I said, you ain't never seen Lonesome Dove? He goes, I don't get so. And I said, well, if you're going to live in Wells, Nevada, you might ought to watch it. Yeah. And then I, went, then I tracked all the way over to Salt Lake City, Utah. And then I made it to Mountain View, Wyoming. And I got over to Mountain View, Wyoming. And uh, I was sleeping in an Ace Hardware parking lot in the back of my truck. And I was giving an update to everybody because everybody's keeping up with it on Facebook. And my buddy, Clint Leggett, says, Hell, you need to come see me. I said, Where you at? He goes, I live in Creed, Colorado. And I said, Well, I ain't never been to Creed, Colorado. Let's go. Yeah. And so I got up that morning. I slept two hours there, left out, and I get somewhere. It was funny because I'm, I'm, I'm going to Green River, Utah. It says I need to go to Green River, Utah to go down there to go to Delta Vernal and through there trying to make my way to Crete. Well, in the middle of that, I, uh, I almost run over five horses in the middle of the road in this little old town. I can only little bitty spot in the town road. And I, of course I will never pass up, uh, cattle, putting right. up cattle yeah. because Marvin Henry, old, old uh, Coyote hunter I used to hunt to, he said, he told me a story one time. He was coming back from Guthrie, and uh, and he, there was a bull out. He went by, it ain't his bull. Hour and a half later, one of his friends hit that bull, and, and it killed him. Yeah. And uh, he, he lived with that regret. So anytime there's life. So I got these five horses. It's 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm trying to figure out where they get out. Well, then I finally get the horses that put up in the little pasture they're supposed to, and there's a house right up there. Here comes the ta uh their dogs they attack me i barely get in <laughs> jump into the back of my daggum pickup to keep from getting eat up by these dogs you know i'm putting up their horses but the dogs are gonna eat me so well that sidetracked me just enough as i got my pickup and i left i seen the green river sign and i'm hauling ass and i go on well i go around there and i get about 20 miles and i go i got a pretty good sense of direction and I've always paid attention to the stars. And I go, wait a minute. Those stars ain't supposed to be on the right. Those are supposed <laughs> to be on the left. And uh, I was like, there ain't no way. So I went a little bit further, and I seen a sign. It said Green River. And I said, yeah, it said Green River, like 30 miles. So I thought, I'm going to Green River. Well, I get up there a while, and I go a little bit further, and I go, man, I know damn good and well them stars ain't supposed to be on that side of the deal. I knew I was going the wrong direction. Well, I was going to Green River wyoming which is north <laughs> i was supposed to be going to green river and when them dogs got a hold of me that was right where their exit was i was supposed to turn right there well, i'd have made a big loop and coming exactly where i'd come from <laughs> and i was like oh my gosh and it was it was brutal and and then i get up there and i go through uh 
uh, I took a wrong turn in Albuquerque. It wasn't Albuquerque, but it was the same kind of deal. Uh, I should have, I wanted to go towards Durango around the mountain. Oh no, I took the left turn and it takes me right through. Yeah. Well, summertime tourists, there's, I mean, it's like DFW traffic going 14,000 feet and we get up there. And when I got up to 14,000 feet, there was a little turnoff where you take a break. And I was like, because I, I am not a slow driver. I cannot. It's driving me crazy. And, I, and it's even worse. I can't pass nobody because it's just the endless line. But when I get up there, it's cool. I wanted to look at the deal. And I get up there. And I mean, 14,000 feet is a long ways up. Yeah. And I look off the edge of that deal. And I'm sitting there. When all of a sudden, this little yellow car comes up there. Oh, and I guess it's about 60 yards from the pavement over to the edge of that clip. That car parks right next to the pavement and a, an old oh i say old she that's what sucks i'm getting old because she's probably my age but <laughs> she got gray-headed and and she looked like a a jehovah witness gal you know got the long yeah. long skirt on and she and she's trying to make her way over there i can see she's wanting to take a picture but she's scared to death of the height <laughs> i said ma'am do you want me to take oh god would you please do that i said yeah i said don't mind it he said i'm dying I'm scared of heights. And I said, and said, my husband, he is worse. And he's over in the car, white knuckling. He ain't even looking <laughs> left or right. He's just straight ahead. He ain't never got out of the car. And he said, and he's worse. He's thrown up twice already. And I said, oh, I don't mind. I, took him. I said, now, y'all are deathly scared of heights. Why would y'all take this? Well, we was wanting to go to Durango, and we took the wrong turn. I said, well, it turns out I did, too. <laughs> and, uh, so I took the picture for her and come in through there and went up. But, it was, but I guess I traveled 3,998 miles. I left at 7.30 on Tuesday, and I pulled back into Archer City at 9 o'clock on Friday. <laughs> yeah, I was cut. I think I had I was up an hour and a half, two hours. And then I slept at Clayton, New Mexico for about two. So I probably had four days, six hours sleep. Yeah. It wasn't much. But I don't require much sleep. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. Uh, when did you – so now you're living in Archer City. Yeah. When did you – and you take care of a ranch over there. When did all that come about? Yeah. Well, uh, of course, when I moved to Archer, I uh, got me a ranch job right after me and Kelly got yeah. – went to work. It's Parky Ranch out there. Matter of fact, it's kind of a cool story because the boss I own now owns that ranch, yeah. which I got fired from that ranch because <laughs> what we he fired every employee he, he ever had, this guy did. And uh and he had no call to fire me. They give me a, the ball the owner gave me a raise on Monday. This yeah. guy fired me on Thursday. Yeah. We were playing soft, slow pitch softball one night. Me and my other buddy that works on the other ranch, we're best friends. Well, he had these goofy ass hats. I mean, you know, look like a billboard. You know, them old timey mm-hmm. Farmer Ted yeah. uh, foam hats, and and you know, that was back when I was still about my vanity still run deep. I was about looking good, and uh, <laughs> and I was not wearing no goofy ass <laughs> farmer hat like that. And he goes, and his first game of the year. And old Sam said, yeah, you need to wear one. You know, it kind of helped us. Nobody else on the team was wearing them. But uh, he wasn't going to say nothing to me. So he said something, man. I ain't wearing one of them goofy-ass hats, man. And he goes, well, you ain't got to play. I said, you're right. I'll go sit in the stands and drink beer. He goes, well, I'll just whoop your ass. I turned and I said, what? And he went, what? And he hit me. 
hit me in the eye, and he took off running. And, of course, he ran through the dugout. I'm chasing him. He ran around there. I caught him, choked him for a minute. He goes, Mom, let me up. I'll buy you a beer. And I said, <laughs> look at my eye. My eye's swelling shut. And I said, you can buy me three beers. And it wasn't a big deal. This is what me and Sam did all the damn time. So we laughed off, played ball. Well, the boss found out about it. And I guess he thought I was picking on Sam because Sam don't weigh 130 pounds. Which, hell, I didn't weigh but 180 then. I know that's hard to believe. But, and, uh, <laughs> but so, but anyway, that fired me. So I had left there, went to work out, cowboyed out in New Mexico and all that. And then, but then I come back and I got this job. Well, when I went to work for my boss down here, he had 7,500 acres there. And, uh, I have brokered enough places because i get privy to all the places right. that i work for or they work for now we have like twenty eight thousand acres there mm-hmm. and but that five thousand acres that was that they own there that that guy worked on i i, I was still in good standing with the owners yeah. i call them two or three times a year hey you ready to sell that place <laughs> you ready to sell that place and uh finally old george who owned it he called me one morning at 3 a.m hey clay this is george uh, y'all still want to buy that ranch? You're interested in buying the ranch? I said, yep. I said, what do you want for it? And he told me, which was astronomical low, $700 an acre. And I said, so. And he goes, uh, do you need to ask John? I said, no. I said, I guarantee you it's so. Yeah. And he goes, all right. So I want to tell you the guy running it. You know, I won't mention his name. And uh, he said, uh, he's got a lot of good years left in him. And I said, George, I ain't going to bullshit you. <laughs> I said, I have motive. And yeah. I said, uh, when he fired me, you know, years ago, that's the only job I ever been fired of. And I, and he had no call to. Yeah. I said, so I'm going to take great pleasure in running his ass off. <laughs> and uh, I said, now, if that queers the deal, I understand. He goes, no, business is business. And, yeah. <laughs> Get your ass out of my house. But matter of fact, like I say, at that bunkhouse that I always talk about mm-hmm. on him, that was me and Kelly's first real home. You know, yeah. we had the hole in the wall house, but yeah. that or the hole in the roof house, but that we wasn't there a month. But that house was our. It still had all of my my kids' height marks on yeah. the walls when when my boss bought it. So it's got a special bond oh, for yeah. us. In it. Yeah. But that that was in '99 when I went to work for them. So you know, getting close to 25 years. Greatest guy. Yeah. I guarantee you, you couldn't draw a better ball. And, uh, I mean, done all kinds of stuff for me. And, and like I say, what me and old Kelly Jane, we had our first 25 years of our life. You know, she had hell with her raising. I had hell with my raising. And, uh, and, but the last, you know, 30 years of my life has been golden. You know, God, yeah. God's taking good care of me. I, I know I hadn't been the good greatest servant for him, but I'll get there one day. I'm getting closer. <laughs> yeah. But uh but I ain't I ain't robbing banks and I don't screw around on my wife and I don't lie, cheat or steal. So I'm trying to do the best I can. Yeah. But y'all running how many acres do you say y'all are up to now? About twenty eight thousand. We y'all did just, have thirty, but we sold a couple thousand here a while back. Y'all just running cattle and all that? Yeah. Or? Cows and cow calf mainly got about twelve hundred cow calves. And then we'll run about four or five thousand yearlings on wheat every year. And y'all are still, y'all are still, you know, there's still cowboys working them ranches. Oh yeah, you know, we oh, are yeah. doing stuff off horses and all that. Yeah, yep. I yep. see, still flanking. You know, a lot of a lot of people still, uh, you know, they're 
running them off the calf tables. And, yeah. and there's some things that, you know, new technology that I incorporated in doing. And I ain't going to BS anybody. I'm, it ain't like I'm horseback every day, but we right. got to get a horseback. And, and we still drag our calves old-fashioned. Stay as traditional as I can. Right. But, you know, economics, economically, you, you can't yeah. afford to do a lot of stuff. You know, used to, you plow. I mean, you proud your cattle thing every day. Well, I got me taking care of $28,000. If I stayed a horseback 24 hours, all the rest of the stuff, you know, the fencing and welding, uh, feed and all that don't get done. So, yeah. And, of course, the brush up in our country, we got a lot of, oh, some cotton farmers in our deal. So you can't brush, you can't spray for brush like you need to yeah so the mesquite is terrible yeah and you can't get enough cowboys to gather some of my pastures yeah. well that's what's funny is you know down our country you know 700 acre place it, it can be held together yeah where out out west you know shoot ten thousand acres you know i can gather that some gun by myself easy peasy yeah but uh it's a little different up there and when we got up there in that new mexico deal it was funny because we had flip coin together uh jingler horses see who got up early to jingle the horses and when we got there in the middle of the night the guy said yeah just turn them out in this trap so i did and i lost coin flip so early at four o'clock in the morning i had to get my horse and go jingle the horses well, I leave and I leave and I leave and I leave and I go and I go. <laughs> I've trod and I ain't found a fence yet. Yeah. About an hour into it, I come back down. I said, hey, how big is this daggum horse trap? Oh, it's not real big. It's like 1,700 acres. I'm like, oh, hell. <laughs> so we caught our horses in the, in the evening, in the morning after that. But have them up. But, but yeah, I've been up for about 25 years and, and it's greatest coyote hunting country there is right yeah it is pretty thick out yeah. there yeah yeah we got an old man that used to live right up north of us he held at dundee texas that's where basically mm -hmm. it started coyote hunting. Well, my dad had 32 greyhound hunters when i was a little kid and uh everybody back then run greyhounds yeah and old blair he gray hunted he hunted greyhounds every day and i happened to be there from the last coyote he caught and uh he there at my feed yard where I'm killing a bunch of them coyotes, he'd go down there and check that dead pit. He was like, I think he was 90. He'd drive down there. He'd always come up there and BS with me while I was riding pins, and he'd BS for a while, and then he, uh, uh, he went down there, and I rode pins. Well, about three hours later, and it's 20 degrees this day. Well, then I looked down there, and down there about a mile at the dead pits, his pickup's still there. I knew something was wrong. Then all of a sudden I look up and he's walking and he's got one leg too short. He's crippled. He come walking up there. It's 20 degrees. He, he got nothing on but a t-shirt. And I know it's taking him probably at least an hour to get, and he's blue. And oh my gosh, I run down there. His pickup battery run down. And uh, anyway, he got pneumonia on that, put him in a uh, rest home and he died a couple of years later. But, there ain't no telling how many coyotes that son of a gun killed yeah. in his life. He was, he was a tough son of a gun. He had an iron grip. I mean, at 90 years old, he would make you piss your pants. Yeah. I mean, he can grab that hand, and he took pleasure in putting you to your <laughs> knees. Yeah. Nobody in our country that knew him would ever shake hands with him. Yeah. But one day we was out there at Williamson, and uh, so we see this cattle buyer coming up there with them trucks little old skinny guy you know and we we set him up they said hey stan 
Now, if you don't go over there and shake that old man's hand and introduce yourself, you're going to get pretty uh, offended. That's the first thing you need to do is go do that. <laughs> oh, okay. He got his little old cockroach killing boots on. He goes over there. And that old man grabbed a hold of his hand, and you could hear the bones crush from a hundred yards. <laughs> and he put old Stan on his knees, and he tears. Please let go! Please let go! And old Blair he had that laugh. He go, <laughs> he just was shaking. But yeah, he was he was a something. Yeah, he he used to be a rodeo clown. There's an old picture back in the day of a model uh, model A uh, car, mm-hmm. and he jumping that mule over that car with a. Uh, people in it at the Seymour Texas Rodeo. But I asked him one day, he had that, in that trick, he taught that mule he could shoot a shotgun and that mule would fall over and play dead. And I said, I got to think about that one day. And I said, hey, Blair, how the hell do you teach a mule to fall over and play dead? He said, well, i get old mama on the front porch and I'd have her shoot that shotgun. And I'd be holding that mule with a halter and when she'd shoot that shotgun, I'd hit him in the head with a piece of pipe. After a while, he'd hear that shotgun, he'd go lay down. I said, oh, my God, dang. I'm pretty sure Peter wouldn't like to hear that nowadays. Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah, they're, they're going to they're gonna fall it over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was, but it's been a good life up there. When did you start coyote hunting? <clears throat> coyote hunting? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, like I say, with Graham, probably... I was old enough to go with my dad, probably seven, five to seven years old. And, you know, as we, I remember, but serious, serious cows, yeah. and, you know, contests. Once the con, you know, I've killed a million cows in my life, and we've called cows all, all my life, but nothing to the extent as when, I guess it was 97 when I got back from New Mexico and my buddy said, uh, hey, you want to enter a cow contest? And I said, cow contest? What the hell is that? And he said, well, you killed the most cows. And I said, and, and at that time, I owned one rifle. It was a SKS. It didn't have no sights <laughs> on it. And I could shoot the eyes off a flat of the thigh. Didn't even have a peep on the end of it. And I could shoot that song. But now... Now I could buy a house with all the guns and calls and <laughs> yeah. and and except thermals, everything yeah. in the world. Uh, yeah, it's 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 crazy. Yeah. yeah, but I because you know play football, play basketball or uh, baseball. I was I love competition, mm-hmm. and when they put a prize at the end of it, that boy, that's that's my drive. That's yeah. my my high, and. uh and of course, God damn, we used to get her. We only had, you know, like I said, when, when I started that ranch, we had 7,500 acres to hunt. Yeah. And, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier, hunting the same spot every night, yeah. we hunted the same spots three times in a, a 24 hour contest. I can remember one time we hunted one spot. We went to the first time, nothing. Went to the second time, nothing. Next, third time, we called in seven. And uh, so, you know, guys, oh, I only have. I don't have enough country. I said, you don't use enough country. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but, yeah, we we donated a lot of money there for a while. Because, <laughs> like I say, the guys with the uh, country, you know, common sense, they got an added advantage over yeah. it. And, uh, but, no, that's when it, it got pretty hot and heavy. But I, I remember one time when I was 14 years old, this is a funny coyote hunting story, you know, Back in the old Johnny Stewart days, you know, well, we yeah. had a, 
me and my buddy Marvin Dotson, I guess, oh, I couldn't have been 14, 15 years old. I was, I was homeless still. And old uh, Marvin, matter of fact, I think I weren't. No, this before Marvin. He wound up being put in homeless with me for a while. And, uh, and but anyway, we were in. He had a blue Toyota pickup. And we pulled in this deal, and it's dark. And we had, you know, the old cassette players. Well, he had rigged it up. We had rigged it up. You could take the speakers out of the door panels, you know, the magnets, and then mm -hmm. hang them on the deal. And we're sitting in the pickup. I don't even think we got a gun. And uh, we're just <laughs> sitting there, and it's pitch black dark. I mean pitch black. And we had just got our first red lens. And it was awesome. <laughs> we were going to try it out. So we sit down there, and uh, we were using vocals. Didn't even have the, uh, it was just coyote vocals. He sat there and we got them wind in I mean, you can't see your hand in front of your face. And old Marvin, he was kind of spooky, ain't it? I said, yeah, kind of. <laughs> and I said, All right, let's try the light. So we turned that light on. We sprang out there. Good Lord, there's a hundred of them. There's, there's red eyes everywhere. There's scouts everywhere. Turn it off. Turn it off. We turned that sucker off. God, hey, they're surrounding us. I guarantee it was cattle. We didn't have a goddamn clue, you know, with them red eyes. We said red yeah. eyes, on, you know, before we had no dumbass kids. I said, hit it again. So we hit that deal, and then did the group, you know, group howls and all that. And we turned it off one more time. We're sitting out and, uh, and sitting there and got real quiet, deathly still. And all we could think of is them 50 couch out there staring at us, <laughs> creeping in them. And I don't know what it is to this day, what it was to this day. All of a sudden, something hits the back of that daggum blue pickup. Bam! It hits it hard. like I mean, like you had taken your hand and slammed it. Well, we didn't ask no question. We jerked them speakers <laughs> in, rode them with us. We were gone. That ended our cryo career for the night. Yeah, still don't know what it was. Scared me living shit at us. Kind of like the night we, me and old Dwayne, I got a buddy of mine. We call him the shrub. He's a real short guy. His family tree was a shrub. And uh, <laughs> he, he, old shrub, me and shrub, he, when he lived up here, we went hunting one night. We're sitting there. And, uh, we pull in, we are going to let it cool down, you know, let it mm -hmm. sit a minute because my truck was loud and uh, my ranch truck. We sat there and we got the windows down there in a breath of air. And old Dwayne goes, what would you do if Bigfoot reached in that window <laughs> and grabbed you? Jerk? I guess I'd chip my pants. <laughs> Try to run. And then all of a sudden we heard a twig snap. And I go, and I turned, and one of them goddamn cows stuck her head in there and ball, <laughs> and I, I, I almost shit myself anyway. <laughs> ah, God almighty. Because this was about two years after we called up to Bigfoot. You ever hear me calling up to Bigfoot? I was going to get to that. Yeah, the, we called up to Bigfoot, <laughs> me and old Wayne Hudson and uh, Mitch, which they're in denial on the deal, but they still won't, can't explain it. Because we got a place over there south of Electra. We get down there. We crawl down there and uh, come off this hill, and there's a little old, probably 30-acre uh, wheat field, and all the way around it is the Beaver Creek, and it is so thick. I mean, mm -hmm. briar, you can't even push cattle through it. I've tried. I've had to gather them on it. Nothing. But every time we go there, we'll call up a cat. Mm -hmm. We get there at 4 o'clock one morning, pull in there, shut the deal off. Sure enough, cat comes. Boom, we shoot the cat. Well, I walk out there 100 yards to get that cat, and... uh 
when I do, uh, Wayne goes, how big is he? I don't know. He's 50 points. All I care. That's back in cash yeah. 50 points. Grant. I don't care. He's 50 points. All I care. And no sooner than I said it, all of a sudden you hear the <laughs> sounds like somebody's ripping a green branch off of a mm-hmm. tree. And all of a sudden it goes, pow. Boy, I mean, I stopped. I looked up there and I said, what the hell was that? Oh, Mitch says, I don't know. It sounds like a, somebody tearing a branch off a tree. I said, yeah. And then all of a sudden, pow, pow, pow. Sounded like you was hitting a baseball bat up against that same tree. Boy, and then I hit the high trot back to the high rack. I said, boy, what the hell is that shit? I said, I don't know. It sounded like it's, somebody's hitting a tree. And I said, yeah. And I blow my call. Every time I blow that call, that sucker to hit that tree. Pow, pow, pow. Well, it did about four times, and uh, we got the hell out of dock. <laughs> and we didn't ask no questions, so we leave. Well, then that Sunday night, the next that Sunday after the deal got up, I told the story about. It. I said, "Boys, y'all ain't shit until you can call up the Bigfoot." We called up the Bigfoot last <laughs> night, by God, you know. And you know, remember Texas Predator Posse? Yeah. You know, that was yeah. when it was big. This is before Facebook. I posted on there, and well, a guy named John Dickey sends me a private message. He goes, Clay, uh, I wanna, I want you to listen to these uh, sounds, these re- sound recordings, uh, and uh, he said, I am the president of the Texas Bigfoot Research Center, <laughs> and I said, Oh shit, they got a center for it, and so, so I get in there, and he sends me these sounds. He said, Yeah, these are twelve recordings from all over the nation. <laughs> And I guarantee you it was exactly what we heard. Yeah. He said, so he calls me up, gives my statement and all this, you know, for their research deal. And he goes, uh, he goes, yeah, that's a, the classic tree knock. It's to get you out of their area. I said, well, it worked like a sunbitch because we're gone now. <laughs> we we grabbed it going. Matter of fact, I can't go back here since. I ain't made that call since. And so, so the next, the next morning, the next morning, uh, I go to the, my local cafe up there in Canaan Corner, and, and all my cowboy buddies are sitting there, and we're laughing about it. And I'm telling them, boys, yeah. I called up Bigfoot last night. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're all laughing about it. They left. Well, then when they left, there's one guy, he's a pumper named Jerry. And old Jerry's sitting over there across <clears> from me eating his eggs. And after everybody left, and he don't ever say five words. And uh, all of a sudden, he goes, I seen that Bigfoot. And I said, do what? I was eating my burrito. And I said, do what? I seen that Bigfoot down there on that, that well that you was talking about. And I said, oh, shit. And he was, yep, 1992 and 1976. I said, do what? And he pumps that well. There's a pump jack right down there. He said, I pump that well. Eight o'clock one morning. I drive, You know, you come off that bluff? And I said, yes, sir. He said, I come off that bluff as soon as I hit the bottom of it. That sucker stopped right in front of the, walked out in the middle of the road in front of me and stopped right in front of my pickup, looked at me, and then walked off into the mesquite. And then I, the, the first time I seen him was in 1976 and down by the concrete bridge by Lake Diversion. And boy, I said, oh, you're lying. <laughs> you can believe me if you want to. He went back to eating his eggs and I said, I'll be damned. It makes you wonder when they don't really care. Boy, I'm gonna tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and like I say, Jerry, he, he don't he don't be yeah. he don't ever say five words yeah. when we're in there. And what was funny is uh, I I did a hunting show years later, and I and one of the guys I was taking on this hunting show, who was 
lives up in the Colorado mountain. He, uh, he, after I told him the story, I said, I'm going to tell you a story. And, uh, and that I hadn't told anybody in 17 years because everybody think you goofy, you know, yeah. he said him and four guys. And I think I eight clients, <laughs> they were 37 miles back in the mountain doing elk deal. Mm-hmm. And they had one walk out into an open right in front of them, stood out there a hundred yards, 12 men sit there and watched it. It's a walked off and nobody said a word about it to each other. He <laughs> said it kind of freaked them out. Oh, but I can go all day, you know, after, after you, you know, cause I don't, I don't give a damn if anybody thinks I'm good if you're not. <laughs> and, but, but a lot of people that have seen it or strange yeah. thing won't say, never say anything because everybody call them an idiot. I mean, after I posted that deal on that deal, I had guys after one, after another, after another call me and tell me it, it's crazy. One guy's a sheriff over there in East Texas, him and his, uh, uh, brother-in-law, or hunting, and this is one of the weirder stories. And he had, oh, he's off the edge of the cliff, and his bud's hunting way up on the other side, and he's got all out on the edge of the cliff looking down to the bottom, and he'd put a bunch of apples down there mm-hmm. for the deer. Try to, and uh, so he put all them apples down there. Well, of course, he fell asleep. So he fell asleep, and he all of a sudden he, hear, he wakes up and he hears somebody talking. And he wakes up and he looks down, and it's a, uh, a female Bigfoot and a little one. And it, he said it looked just like she was scolding him. He'd eaten them apples. And she. he said it was the weirdest language. He said it was wild. And it said all of a sudden he tried to get a better vantage point, and he snapped a twig. And when he did, they both looked up there at him, and that son gun run at him as fast as <laughs> she could and said, all I could do was duck my head and pull my feet together and close my eyes. And said, run all right all the way by him <clears> and went all the way up top, never stopped by, by him and was gone. And it took him an hour before he had enough courage to leave. And then when he gets up there, he knew that his brother had seen His brother-in-law had seen it too because he is white as a sheep. He huh. said, Did you see something? He will, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's... So I, you know, I got something on most coyote hunters that ain't never done. I call it a Bigfoot guy, dang. legendary. I need to give some Bigfoot guide. I need, yeah, I can pay top dollar. Yeah, yeah. 